0: I grew up playing sports, high school, college, but I never, ever played football. Our school only had 20 kids in it, high school, and so it didn't have enough for football. And, uh, you know, I never even saw a football game until I was 20. I heard about it, but never saw one. Now, my wife's father was a huge football player, uh, star. He played in college four years was a big big name in college. When he got out of the army after the Second World War, then he got involved in a semi-pro football team. And so after we got married, <clears throat> we went down there and and they were, had football on the TV. I think it was Thanksgiving and I was watching it and I said something about the fact that's the first football game I've ever seen. He said, I can't believe I let you marry my wife or my daughter. Uh, <laughs> And so it's too late. We're already married. So he decided to take me to a football game, a San Francisco 49er. They lived in Petaluma. They all grew up there. And so the 49ers were his favorite team. And so he took me to a 49er game, first game in real life I ever saw. So ever since then, that's been 55 years ago. I have been a San Francisco 49er fan, good years, bad years. I added the Seahawks to it, and then the Jaguars in the mix as well. But it's always pretty much been the 49ers. So this last Sunday, or last Christmas, I watched the 49ers play Baltimore, and and they got stomped. And uh, my favorite quarterback is Brock Purdy. He's a strong believer, a strong Christian. I just love listening to his his, uh, post-game interviews, because he's just got character coming out. I thought just for fun I'd let you watch the post game just 60 seconds from the last game when he got stomped. I mean it's the NFL, you know. Uh, we have some opportunities coming up, and uh, we still got two games left in regular season before we get in playoffs. And so for me, um, I'm trying to look at the big picture of what we're trying to do, what our team goals are. Um, but at the same time, man, I have to look myself in the mirror and, and ask myself why or how that happened and why I made those decisions. And so. Um, our team came ready to play and, um, you know, for me to make some decisions like that, um, it pains me, you know, and it's not fair to these guys. So I have to realize that and understand that. And, um, I have to get better for my team. So didn't you love that line? I have to get better. I have to get better. I thought that's football. It's real life living for Jesus. Uh, we ought to have that same sort of drive uh, to get better, to look ourselves in the mirror and say, what uh, do I need to fix? What needs to get better in me? And so I've been preaching on Second Peter in a Wednesday night service, and I memorized the book of Second Peter. And uh, the first chapter, 4 through 11, every time I would recite that, uh, it would just beat me up. And I thought, well, I'll read it to you and let it beat you up. Uh, this morning, and then we'll talk about it a little bit. So let me read it to you. Second Peter chapter one, verses four through 11. For by these He has granted to us His precious and magnificent promises. That's basically the word of God, so that by them you may become partakers of the divine nature. You, me, us, may become partakers of the divine nature, the divine nature. That is, we would become like Jesus in character. We would become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world by lust. Now for this very reason, applying all diligence. It's not going to happen automatic. That is, that we would become partakers of the divine nature, become like Jesus. It's going to take some work. And so applying all diligence in your faith, that's where we began, faith in Jesus. In your faith, supply moral excellence. And in your moral excellence, knowledge. In your knowledge, self-control. In your self-control, perseverance. In your perseverance, godliness. In your godliness, brotherly kindness. And in your brotherly kindness, love. Add these character traits to your life. Just sort of continue to grow. Add to, add to, add to, add to. For if these qualities, notice the if. That means they maybe are or maybe they aren't in your life if these qualities are yours and are increasing, increasing, that is, we're getting better all the time, increasing, they render you neither useless, useless... Wouldn't that be terrible to have that as a name? Useless, good for nothing. I probably told you the story about my dog. When I was a kid, we had a neighbor... Uh, his name was Hank and Hank knew the name of every deer in the woods uh, he just was one of those outsorted guys and he was my hero and if you walked up to Hank's house long driveway and you looked up at his house at nighttime, you see light shining through the wall in various places that was kind of the house they had and when you get up there you saw there was a dozen at least cars and pickups sitting up on cinder blocks every car pickup he ever owned was there sitting on cinder blocks the wheels were off them, and tied to the bumper of every car was a coonhound That was their house underneath those various cars and pickups. And occasionally, my dad and I and my brothers, we would uh, go coon hunting with Hank. And he would turn them all loose. They'd jump in the back of the pickup. We'd drive up this long logging road up there. And he'd build a fire, turn the dogs loose. And they'd take off. And they would tree a coon. And we would hike through the woods and see it and shoot it and skin it and sell the pelt. I wanted a coon hound in the worst way. I wanted to be just like Hank. Coonhounds are expensive. So I'd look on the little for sale thing in the feed store in town periodically. And one day I saw a coonhound for sale. And so I started working, earning, saving money. Bought this dog. His name was Luther. Luther. Got him home. I was so proud of my coon hound. And I got ready. I'm going to go down to the creek and, and walk along and see if we can find some coons. And so I let Luther loose and I got my gun and I jacked a shell into the chamber. And as soon as I did that, he went under the house. Dad says, uh-oh. I said, well, what's, the, what's wrong? He's, I think he's gun shy. They never get over that. And he didn't. Every time I got the gun out to go coon hunting, he'd run under the house. Couldn't get him out. He wouldn't even chase cows. My dad says, Luther's the wrong name for him. We're going to call him useless. Good for nothing. <laughs> so I sold him. I put an ad on the feed store bulletin board. And uh, I uh, called him Luther, not useless. And I hope that whoever bought him didn't get mad at me. They only wanted him for a pet. Uh, so God looks at us. Useless. Useless, useless, good for nothing, good for nothing. Ah, there's someone that's useful. Useful. If these qualities are yours and are increasing, they render you neither useless nor unfruitful in the true knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For he who lacks these qualities is blind, short-sighted, having forgotten his purification from his former sins. Therefore, brethren, be all the more diligent, be all the more diligent to make certain about his calling and choosing you. For as long as you practice these things, you will never stumble. You will never stumble for in this way the entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ will be abundantly, abundantly supplied to you. Some people will enter into heaven abundantly as it were because of the rewards they receive from Jesus for the life they've lived. Others will just squeak in as it were. Uh, So in your notes, number one, the ultimate commandment in the Bible is to love one another. Now as they went through those series to your faith, add moral excellence. To your moral excellence, knowledge. To your knowledge, uh, self-control. To your self-control, perseverance. To your perseverance, godliness. To your godliness, brotherly kindness. To your brotherly kindness, love. That was the ultimate on that hierarchy of character qualities. Matthew twenty two thirty six. Teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? And he said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the great and foremost commandment. The second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend the whole law and the prophets. John thirteen thirty four. a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another even as I have loved you. You love one another even, Jesus speaking, even as I have loved you. That's a pretty high standard, that you also love one another. By this all men will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Romans 13, 8, owe nothing to anyone except to love one another. He who loves his neighbor has fulfilled the law. For this you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not covet. If there is any other commandment, it is summed up in this saying, You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no wrong to a neighbor, therefore love is the fulfillment of the law. First Corinthians 13, If I speak with the tongues of men and of angels but do not have love, I have become a noisy gong, clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and know all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains but do not have love, I'm nothing... I'm nothing, good for nothing. Galatians 5.14, the whole law is fulfilled in one word, in the statement, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Number two, to love others doesn't necessarily mean that you like them. I always say, I'll take anybody fishing once. If I don't like you, then I won't take you a second time. A lot of people I don't like, and I just don't enjoy their company, we're not on the same page, doesn't mean I can't love them. Uh, I married Patty. I dated about a hundred different girls. They're nice girls, but I wasn't going to marry them. Uh, I didn't like them that much. Uh, number three, to love others doesn't necessarily mean that you have warm or affectionate emotions towards them. We tend to use love that way as an expression of affection, a, f- a statement of appreciation. And that's not what the Bible means. And the command to love one another doesn't mean that we're commanded to feel uh, towards people. Number four, uh, love is a verb made up of a collection of actions that are observable and measurable. Somebody said, you're going to be preaching on goals It's the last Sunday uh, of the year? Well, kind of, sort of. Love is a choice. To do something that's observable and measurable. So anytime you have something that you can measure or observe, you can set a goal about it. So I'm going to give some suggestions on what to change this year in your life so that you become a lover of people, especially of family and of church is choosing to do certain things. I have a dog now. His name is Roscoe. He's about that big. He's all fuzzy, curly hair. And uh, he's good for nothing. He's useless. But when I sit in my recliner, he jumps up on my lap and he curls up. And I scratch his ears and pet him. And he looks at me with these big brown eyes like I'm wonderful. And I say, Roscoe, I love you. Do you know if he got sick and we took him to the vet? The vet says it's going to cost $2,000. I've heard people have these announcements. It's going to cost $2,000 to fix your dog. I would shoot him. I have a graveyard in my backyard. Two dogs already there. And Roscoe would join them. But he's a lovable dog. And I said, I love you, Roscoe. So what do I mean when I say, I love you, Roscoe? What do I mean when I say to you, I love you? You're getting nervous now, huh? (laughs) So let me suggest seven things that I'm saying to you that you can say to me when we say I love you number five if I truly love you I will forgive you of anything I will forgive you of anything no matter how bad it is no matter how many times you've done it I will forgive you now that doesn't mean I approve or think what you did was right or good but it does mean I will forgive you that's a choice I make that's a choice you make Revelations 1.5 from Jesus Christ the faithful witness the firstborn of the dead the ruler of the kings of the earth to him who loves us who loves us and released us from our sins. I don't know what it is about that word that I just love. He released me from my sins. It's like they're way over there and I'm here. They just floated away. He released me. I'm free from my sins. Why? because he loved me and he paid for my sins with his own blood what did I do to deserve that nothing does it mean that I'll never do them again probably not but he released me from my sins all of them because he loved me that is the good news of Christianity is that he forgave us he forgave us unconditionally for all of our sins he chose to do that I didn't earn it. I didn't deserve it. He initiated it. Colossians 3.13 Bearing with one another, forgiving each other, forgiving each other, whoever has a complaint against anyone, just as, just as the Lord forgave you. I forgive you not because you earned it, but because Jesus forgave me and has commanded me forgive anybody of anything. And so when I say, I love you, I'm making you that promise love is a commitment and when I say I love you I'm making the promise, the commitment that I will forgive you of anything number six, if I truly love you I won't get angry at you, not even a little bit irritated I've had people say that's not possible so it's hard for sure but it's certainly possible. Otherwise, God wouldn't have told us in the Word not to get angry at each other. But, somebody, but Jesus got angry. I don't know if you know this or not. Maybe somebody should break the news to you gently. You're not Jesus. <laughs> in fact, you're not even close to Jesus. So don't justify your anger because he got angry. He was perfect and his anger was... Mine doesn't tend to be that kind of anger. Mine's pretty selfish. You violate my space, my rights, I get irritated. The Bible says don't do that, not even a little bit. So I said to my wife a number of years ago, every time I say to you, I love you, I'm promising you that I will not get angry at you, not even a little bit irritated, no matter what you do, no matter how many times you do it. So do you know what she does now when I start, uh, my voice starts getting a little bit edgy and she can hear it? She'll say, I love you. You know what we used to have with Luther? A choke chain. Yeah, you'd jerk on his, and it chokes, and he became instantly obedient. You know what my wife is doing when she says, I love you. She's pulling on my choke chain. Oh, yeah. I love you too. Oh, you're beautiful. <laughs> Ephesians 4.26, be angry. That means feel the emotion of anger. You can't stop that. I get angry all day long. The emotion. Yet don't sin. That means don't open your mouth. Do not let the sun go down on your anger and do not give the devil an opportunity. When you get angry at someone, your wife, your kids, your neighbor, your boss, someone you've never met before, you get angry, you say something and don't take care of it. You give the devil legal jurisdiction in your life. He's able to get up real close and talk right in your ear. You don't want that. Ecclesiastes seven nine. Do not be eager in your heart to be angry. Anger resides in the bosom of fools. Oh, that one gets you, doesn't it? Anger resides in the bosom of fools. You ever gotten angry? You fool. Number seven, the national pastime is gossiping and slandering others. Christians who love others don't do that. So when I say, I love you, I'm saying, I'll not get angry at you, not even a little bit irritated. I'm also saying, I'll forgive you of anything. And I'm also saying, I will not gossip about you. I will not slander you to anybody. That's what everybody does. That's what conversation is about. Just get in a group of people. where there's a bunch of people and everybody's talking, just listen. Conversations. A lot of slander. A lot of gossip. That's how we sort of make ourselves feel Tough by talking about others and putting them down, communicating information that we ought not to be communicating about others. That's a natural, easy thing to do because our world does it. But when I say, I love you, I love you, I love you, I love you, I'm promising you I'll not do that. I'll not talk about you to anybody in a negative way. I might say, you're the best fisherman I know, best looking person I've ever seen, uh, but I won't say... You're terrible or communicate anything negative about you. That's what people who love one another do. Proverbs 17, 9. He who conceals a transgression, that means you're covered up, seeks love. He who repeats a matter separates intimate friends. 1 Peter 4, 8. Above all, keep fervent in your love for one another. Keep fervent in your love for one another because love covers a multitude of sins. Covers a multitude of sins. That means you set them aside, you ignore them, you forget them, you forgive them. Ephesians 4.30, Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God. Grieve the Holy Spirit of God, by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you. Be put away from you. That means you choose not to do it. Eight, the reason there is so much gossiping and slandering done by people is because they have a critical and judgmental spirit. This is the hardest thing of the seven commitments is for most of us, for me, for sure. You know why? Because I can do it in my head while I look at you, talk to you, and smile and nod and act like you're the best person of the world. I can be thinking thoughts in my head like, boy, they're a jerk. Uh, Whether it's about... The meat between your teeth, or the way you talk, or the fact that your hair is not combed, or your zipper is down, or whatever it is. You know, I can see and I'm uh, all these judgmental thoughts go around in my head. Uh, choosing not to think critically or judgmentally about other people, especially those that you say, I love you, I love you, it is a tough thing to do, but we can do it if we remind ourselves regularly. Uh, If I love someone, I don't do this. I don't judge them. I don't slander them. Matthew 7, 1 through 5. Do not judge so that you will not be judged. For in the way you judge, you will be judged. For in the way you judge, you will be judged. By who? Did you know that when you die or Jesus comes back, all of us, we're going to stand before Jesus and give an account of our life? and it says we're going to be rewarded for what we've done in this life both the good and the bad and the standard that i use with you is the standard that jesus is going to use on me in that day ha ha now here's an easy question do you want jesus to be really super gracious and forgiving and kind? Would you like him to open up the book and say, oh, look here, D, Duke. There's nothing bad in the whole book written about him. He lived a perfect life. Cool. Well done. What would prompt him to say that? The standard I use on you is the standard he will use on me. Remind yourself of that every day. The standard you use on everyone around you is the standard that Jesus is going to use on you when you stand before him at the end of your life. Would you like that to be a gracious, kind, forgiving, easy standard? You determine. You d- determine. You dictate. You decide. What you do is what will be done to you. Let me read that to you again. For in the way you judge, you will be judged. and By your standard of measure, it will be measured to you. Why do you look at the speck that is in your brother's eye? Do not notice the log that is in your own eye. How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye? Behold, the log is in your own eye. You hypocrite. Take the log out of your own eye. Then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's. Romans 14, 10. You, why do you judge your brother? Or you again, why do you regard your brother with contempt? For we will all stand before the judgment seat of God. We will all stand before the judgment seat of God, for it is written, As I live, says the Lord, every knee shall bow, every knee shall bow to me, every tongue shall give praise to God. So then each one of us will give an account of himself to God. Therefore, let us not judge one another. Why? Well, because that's the standard that will be used on you. That's the standard that will be used on you. So some of you are thinking, boy, if Jesus comes today, I am in trouble. And so you got some time, probably, maybe. Rest of the today, tomorrow. Change your standard. How you think, how you judge, how critical you are about the people you see around you. Now, it'll take a little work if you've been in the habit, as most have, of being critical or judgmental as they look and see people. But work on that. Work on that. Make that a goal for 2024 to become increasingly Us judgmental and critical of the people around you. Number nine, the easiest discipline for the seven, this is the easiest for most of us, is to meet physical needs as we observe them in other people. You know, help them with a flat tire, take a meal, help them paint their house, just do physical things. And uh, I, I regularly have had people offer to help me out with a variety of things. Once they hear the problem I'm in, First uh, John three sixteen, we know love by this that he laid down his life for us. We ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. Whoever has the world's goods and sees his brother in need and closes his heart against him, how does the love of God abide in him? Little children, let us not love with word or with tongue, but indeed in deed and truth. That is we meet needs as we see them in the lives of people around us. Galatians five thirteen, for you were called to freedom, brethren. Only do not turn your freedom into an opportunity for the flesh, but through love, serve one another. Number 10, the most powerful, productive act of love is to pray for people's observed and shared problems. So when I say, I love you, one of the things I'm saying is, I will pray for you. I have all of you, probably minus a couple uh in my prayer app on my iPad and I try to get your picture. If you visit, I get your pic I look you up on Facebook to see if you're there to get a picture to put it with you. So as I go through and pray for everyone and the various needs that I read in the prayer letter I pick, cut, and paste and put in there and I get to know you as I pray for you. And so there's getting to be quite a few people but I say, I love you, I love you. That means I'll pray for you. Uh if you're not signed up to get the church prayer letter, you ought to do that at the end of the service those cards are passed out just write on there I'd like to get the prayer letter put your email address uh, that's the cheapest way to get it now there's a lot of needs there you can speed pray it or just go through and pray for the people you know or you can just take a couple of hours and pray for everyone there uh, that's the most loving thing we can do to one another is to pray for our problems and our needs Ephesians six eighteen. with all prayer and petition pray at all times in the spirit pray at all times in the spirit with this and you be on the alert with all perseverance and petition for all the saints so we pay attention and we pray for each other. Number 11, there's a lot of rude and unkind words and behavior towards others in our day and age. Again, that's sort of the national pastime to talk mean, rude, cruel. Loving Christians, number 12, honor everybody and are kind and gracious to everybody, especially to those who are rude and mean. We are nice. We talk nice. We're kind, we're gracious, we honor people by the words that we say that used to be back when i was a kid just kind of the rule now it's the opposite it's sort of like who can be the rudest who can be the most obnoxious who can say the meanest thing on facebook or other places because it makes us feel like we've got some power when we trash talk people romans 12 9, let love be without hypocrisy let love be without hypocrisy. Abhor what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Give preference to one another in honor. In honor, Ephesians four two. With all humility and gentleness, with patience, showing tolerance for one another and love. Humility, gentleness, patience. First Peter two seventeen. Honor, honor all people. Love the brotherhood. Fear God. Honor the king. Second Timothy one thirteen. Retain the standard of sound words which you have heard from me and the. And in the faith and love which are in Christ Jesus, sound words, good words. I remember when I was a kid, uh, another dairy farmer in Trout Lake invited mom and dad and us kids to go out to dinner with them. And we never went out to dinner. Uh, It was too expensive, so this was like a major treat. We get to go out to dinner. And we were at the table, and the waitress came up. And this fellow that was buying dinner for us, uh, he was not real kind to the waitress through most of the evening just said things that were just a little bit uh, pushy, rude mean spirited and on the drive home after we had left their place my dad turned to my mom and said if he invites us to go to dinner turn him down and then he turned to us kids and said don't ever talk to people the way so and so talked to that waitress don't ever do that. When uh, we were growing up, there was us three oldest boys, and my sister and my youngest brother, us three oldest ones, did most of the milking. Cliff and Matt and I, and two would milk, one would sleep in. So if you slept in, you got up at seven. If you milked, you got up at four. Big difference, four and seven. And so the way it worked, two would milk, one would sleep in, and we rotated. Two, and every third morning, you got to sleep in the seven. Whoa, I loved it. Loved it. And Uh, We had a science math teacher in our high school and his name was Mr. Gilson, never married, just out of college. And uh, he and I got in a discussion one day and I said something that was, eh, I didn't think it was bad at all. But it got back to my dad. And uh, when I got home, my dad said, uh, you're not going to sleep in again until you are 90 years old. (laughs) What? What? I heard about what you said to Mr. Gilson. Don't plan on sleeping in again the rest of your life. Ah, uh, Dad, it wasn't that bad, really, really. He didn't listen. A little bit of lip off was a big deal to my dad. Now, it didn't last the rest of my life. I think it lasted six months. Both my brothers were rejoicing, praising Jesus uh, for my decision with mr gilson not even a little bit of rudeness ought to be accepted in our standards in our talking 13 it's a new year uh, let's see uh, uh, matthew five forty four. excuse me those up there in the in the sound booth uh I say to you, love your enemies, pray for those who persecute you, so that you may be sons of your Father who is in heaven. For he causes his son to rise on the evil and the good, the sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. If you love those who love you, what reward do you have? Do, do not even the tax collectors do the same? If you greet only your brothers, what more are you doing than others? Do not even the Gentiles do the same? Therefore you are to be perfect. Ooh, that sounds like my dad as your heavenly father is perfect greet one another First Peter five fourteen, with a kiss of love <laughs> I'm going to shake your hand <clears throat> Proverbs 15 1, a gentle answer turns away wrath a harsh word stirs up anger 13 it's a new year let's get better together we can choose to do that we can choose to do that we can plan to do that we can make goals to do that Brock Purdy said I need to look in the mirror and get better, I need to do that as well Second thessalonians one three we ought always to give thanks to God for you, brethren, as is only fitting because your faith is greatly enlarged, and the love of each one of you toward one another grows ever greater he 's writing to a local church, the love of each one of you toward one another grows ever greater. That ought to be true of us. First Timothy six eleven flee from these things, you man of God. Pursue, pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, perseverance, gentleness, pursue it. 14. We don't have to grow in character and get better. If we do, but if we do, God will reward us. So what do you have to do? Nothing. You've trusted Jesus, you're you're in so you don't have to do anything but I want to well we want to we want to grow to become like him and if we do he will reward us he'll reward us at the judgment seat of Christ and he'll reward us in this life the rewards that God gives us are great um, Luke six thirty five. love your enemies do good lend expecting nothing in return and your reward will be great your reward will be great Here's some rewards that God gives us. God loves to reward us with cool assignments. That is, he's the one who puts us into the game. He's the one who says, here's a job for you to do. When he gives us a job, he gives us everything we need to succeed at it. Some get cool jobs and others don't get anything. And so we earn the right to serve God by how we live. Let me say that again in case you missed it. We earn the right... To serve God by the way we live. He is the coach. He puts us in the game or keeps us on the bench. A major reward for loving people is that He puts us in the game, gives us something to do that matters. Uh, next uh, reward God gives joy to those who truly love others. The biggest lie the devil has got the world to believe is that joy comes from circumstances. Joy comes from money. Joy comes from a new car. Joy comes from a good job. Joy comes from a limit of fish. Joy comes from God and God only. He gives joy to those who please him. And the more we love others, sacrificially especially, the more joy we will experience in our soul right, right straight from God. John fifteen twelve. This is my commandment, that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, greater love has no one than this that one lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. You hear me say this pretty often, regularly. God has favorites. Sometimes people will take exception to that. No, no, no. Read the Bible. You are my friends. That's not a birthright for us as believers. That's an earned position. There's a few people who are the friends of Jesus. Abraham, during... Early, he was a friend of Jesus. Moses was a man who talked to God face to face. There's a few, uh, and he says, "If you do what I command you, and the command he listed was that you love one another, then you're my friends." John, First John four sixteen. We have come to know and love and believe the love which God has for us. God is love, and the one who abides in love abides in God, and God abides in him. God abides in him. He's not talking about the presence of the Holy Spirit. He's talking it's relationships. Talking about relationship. God abides in him in the presence of the Lord is fullness of joy. Next uh, reward God gives his strength to those who choose to take the hard way. I remember a speaker saying this one time, and it just it stuck with me, and I've quoted it a million times since. You're a Christian. That doesn't mean you have the strength of God, it means you're going to heaven. Period. You're a Christian. How do you get the strength of God? You earn it. Just because you're a Christian doesn't mean your birthright is that you have his strength. A lot of Christians say, I can do all things through Jesus who strengthens me. Uh, maybe. God gives his strength to those who earn it, need it, do his will, obey him. <clears throat> God sees to it the next blessing God sees to it that we are well loved by others. And that's a cool blessing. You take care of others, you love others, and God will make sure that you are loved by others. You don't have to work at that one. He takes care of it. We tend to be selfish in that we want, but just give, 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 give. Love, 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 love. And God will take care of our need for love um, Matthew 7, 12, In everything, therefore, treat people the same way you want them to treat you. This is the law and the prophets. That means this is irrevocable. Proverbs 16, 7, When a man's ways are pleasing to the Lord, he makes, God makes, even his enemies to be at peace with him. And then the ultimate reward is that we will receive for continual growth in this life is God's glory filling us at the judgment seat of Christ. There's seven major rewards at the judgment seat of Christ, and a major one is God gives glory. God gives glory. We were created with it. We lost it when we sinned. We crave it. God gives us his glory at the judgment seat of Christ. And it varies. Some will receive very little. Some will receive a lot on the basis of the life they've lived here. 1 John four seventeen: By this, love is perfected. Love is perfected with us so that we may have confidence in the day of judgment. We may have confidence in the day of judgment. That's because we are lovers. So when I say, I love you, I'm not saying I like you. I'm not saying I'll take you fishing. I am saying I will forgive you of anything. And I will work really hard at not getting even a little bit irritated at you no matter what you do. I'll pray for you, I promise. Um, And so when you say, I love you, understand the commitments that we need to be making when we say it. Um, God, God's power flows to commitment God's power flows to commitment let me read to you Second Peter 1 4-11 again for by these he has granted to us his precious and magnificent promises so that by them you may become partakers of the divine nature partakers of the divine nature having escaped the corruption that is in the world by lust now for this very reason applying all diligence in your faith supply moral excellence in your moral excellence knowledge in your knowledge self-control in your self-control perseverance in your perseverance godliness in your godliness brotherly kindness and in your brotherly kindness love. For if these qualities are yours and are increasing. Increasing. They render you neither useless nor unfruitful in the true knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. He who lacks these qualities is blind, is short-sighted having forgotten his purification from his former sins. Therefore, brethren, be all the more diligent to make certain about his calling and choosing you, for as long as you practice these things, you will never stumble. And in this way, the entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, will be abundantly supplied to you. You will receive great rewards at the judgment seat of Christ if you live that way. His divine power, his power has granted us everything we need to participate, to become partakers in the divine nature. And so, I want that. And this next year, I'm focusing on getting better and better. We can do that together. Encourage each other, pray for one another, and get better. Let's pray. Lord, thank you. Thank you for saving us. Thank you for forgiving us. Thank you for adopting us. Thank you that we have the hope of eternal life in heaven with you for all eternity. As we live this life now, we want to live it in a way that pleases you that glorifies you, that attracts people to you. You've granted us the power to do that if we choose to. I pray that all of us will focus on getting better. We don't have to, but we want to. Help us to do that. Fill us with your spirit. And Lord, I pray that we as a church, Jefferson Baptist Church, will be the I love you church. Uh, We are continually saying I love you to each other and knowing what that means when we say it. We love you because of what you've done for us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.